You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share heartfelt and inspirational messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself to God's unlimited blessings. Can I invite all the moms to rise? All the mothers, come on, stand up. We want to honor all the mothers. Come on, go ahead. All the moms in the house, we want to make it so special for you today because today is your day. Today is your day. You can ask your children anything you want, okay? (laughs) Let's just quickly and gently lay a hand. Let's join our hearts and lay our hands on all the moms. If your mom is beside you, just, just lay a hand. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessing of a mother. And thank you for all these moms. Without them, Lord, we wouldn't be who we are. Thank you that you've sent such a miracle in our lives. And we pray that in this season of their life, you will just continue to establish them, to enlarge their territories, to equip them, to empower them, and to anoint them so they can be, they can be the mothers that you have called them to be. Continue to strengthen their bodies also so you, they can serve their families better, serve ministries better. The truth of the matter is that sometimes we don't appreciate them so much, but we can only pray that, Lord, you reward them for all their sacrifices in life, for all the things that they have freely and selflessly given to all of us. Bless them so much. Let their life overflow with abundance, with grace and favor. Let them feel the love, the love of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a big clap offering to all the moms here today. But also on a side note, you can take your seats. But also on a side note, you don't have to get up. But if you're a mom and you're also praying, or you're maybe you're a woman, you're, pr- you're, you're praying to be a mom. You're praying to have a child. If that's you, you don't need to stand up or raise your hand, but just open your hands. God will know. Let me pray for you also. God in heaven, there are mothers or or future mothers also in this place, women who have a dream to also have a child. I pray that in the best version, in the right time, and in the right way, you will bless them with that dream. We will bless them with that miracle. But until then, Lord, teach them how to trust in your plans and how to trust in your promise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a big offering to the Lord. Clap offering to God. Thank you so much. All right. That's just the first surprise. Here's the second surprise. I was also surprised this morning because I was on my way driving to the feast. At 7.45 in the morning, I get a call from Brother Bo Sanchez. And he's not here. He's not here. It was a surprise for me too. But then we brought in someone This is the biggest surprise. We brought in someone at the very last minute. She only took an hour just to get here. Perfect for Mother's Day. I believe that there's no accident in God's kingdom. And God wanted you to have this speaker today for all the mothers in the house. Are you ready for our speaker? Let me introduce her to you. She happens, she was given an award in 2018 for becoming the best female influencer by the Catholic Social Media Awards. She happens to be the editor-in-chief of Kerygma Magazine, none other than, please give a warm Feast Bay Area welcome, on stage, Sister Risa Singson Kaupeng! You got it. Thank you. 
Hello, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. You know, I love our, I love our um, series uh, this, this um, week because it's like going, you know, it's like a Bible study into the book of Acts. And at this point, the early church was unstoppable. Say unstoppable. And there was a, one of the young guys who was um, uh, serving in that early church was a, a guy named Stephen. And Stephen was in charge of the mercy ministry. He was in charge of feeding the poor. And uh, imagine, this is, what, this, is, this is what was happening in the book of Acts at that time. In Acts 5, it says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Put yourself in that situation. It's the long-awaited Messiah. Finally, you recognize him and he's here. And you have the mission to spread the good news. So it was so important for them to share the good news, to tell about Jesus, this man who was crucified and who is now resurrected. But then the early church was also feeding the poor. The early church loved the poor. They had a love for the poor. Stephen was assigned to do this. And it's, it, as Christians, this is one of the things that I'm so grateful for in the light of Jesus' ministry because we encounter, we cannot be Christians who see the face of God at the feast, when we worship, when we're in church, when we receive the sacraments, and not be able to see God's face in the poor. Here at the feast, we come together in beautiful places like these every week. And yet, we also serve the poor through our many mercy ministries. You know, it's, it's uh, anytime I encounter people who do charity work, their first question to us or to me, because I, I, uh, I'm involved in two of our mercy ministries, they always ask, where does the funding come from? The funding comes from you. You realize that? That's part of our work as Christians. And so Stephen was a, a, a guy who was, you know, preaching the word, going out and evangelizing. But he was also a guy who was serving the poor. He was like a social worker. Our, our Philippine situation is no different from that. When I was young, the stats that we memorized was that 70% of Filipinos live below the poverty line, right? How many of you still memorize that? Yeah, oh, okay, I know. Magkabatch tayo, bro. You know, I, I used to think that's still the stats now, but I'm so happy to find out. Uh, and I've researched this also. Asian Development Bank says 21.6% na lang of Filipinos are below the poverty line. But really, if, if you're that Filipino not eating three meals a day, the stats don't mean anything to you. The stats don't mean I'm one of five. No, the stat means I'm 100% of that person who is hungry. And so we have to be a church that goes out and reaches out to the poor. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So this is part of our work. Serving those who are suffering around us is not an option for a Jesus follower. We have to love Jesus in the poor. And this is what Stephen was doing. So he was uh, a preacher 
he was an evangelist and he was also a social worker. And you know, when you're, when you're in one field, you say, no, kailangan, priority natin to spread the word. But then when you're, when you're serving the poor, you want to say, no, priority natin to take care of the poor. Well, we have to do both. We have to do both. And Stephen didn't stop at being that because in Acts 6 verse 8, he, uh, we read, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. He was also working miracles. He was also charismatic. You know, that was one of the things that amazed me as a, as a young Christian when I be, became a charismatic was that the Holy Spirit was still working in our lives. I thought, I thought it ended in the, in the Gospels. I thought it ended in the New Testament. Pero God was still, can, and He does work in our lives. That was such a, an eye-opener for me as a Christian. And so Stephen was so effective in his work that may mga naingit sa kanya. Doesn't that happen? Di ba may kasabihan tayong mga Pilipino, uh, kapag yung, bu- yung puno bumubunga, binabato. And this is what happened, the, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, um, in, in Acts 6 verse 13 says, they produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. So, nung, hindi palang panahon natin na imbento yung fake news. Nung araw palang meron ng fake news. And this is what happened to um, uh, Stephen. And you know, when there are people, I, I realize this, I, I generally like people, you know, I, I generally uh, get along with people, but there are some people na, I don't really know them, pero di ko sila tight. There's something. Does that happen to you or is it just me? You know, you, there are people who really get on your nerves. It's like, I have only one nerve left and you're standing on it, you know, that kind. And, and, I, I, and I, look, I, 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 I reflect, I think, bakit di ko siya tight? And I realize it's, you know, somehow, somewhere, maybe I'm jealous of her or him, or maybe there's something about him or her that makes me feel insecure. That's what happened to Stephen. These religious people were insecure. And just three quick lessons that we can learn from what happened to him. Lesson number one is when you don't like certain people, ask God to reveal your insecurity. I learn more about myself when I encounter a person I don't like and I ask myself, why don't I like this person? What is it about this person that's, that's pointing back to me? And um, second lesson that we can learn from this is before you point to someone's errors, remind yourself, you're not God. Uh, there's this uh, a friend of mine, this happened to her a long time ago. <clears throat> she was in church. And it so happened that another friend from community came and sat on the same pew as hers. And she always thought, itong sister na to meron tong something against me. You know, this sister has something against me. And true enough, when that sister sat on the, the pew and the mass was ongoing, she didn't even greet her. So that whole time during mass, she was feeling, tingnan mo, tingnan mo talaga, itong, itong taong to, grabe, grabe, hindi man lang ako batiin. And then when it came to the um, greeting of peace, peace be with you, so this sister here turns like that and she goes, oh, ikaw pala, imagine I'm sitting beside you this whole time and I didn't know it was you. Hindi pala siya talaga nakita. And so here was this friend of mine judging her sister, diba? this sister in community, you don't, we don't know everything. We don't know everything. We don't know the motives of people. And so the best thing that we can do is to give 
the other person the benefit of the doubt. That's the most Christian thing to do. Third lesson, no matter how good you are, some people won't like you. You know, years ago, I attended the Hillsong Conference, and the, one of the guest speakers was a guy named, uh, not so popular, I don't know if you know him, Joel Osteen, you know him? <laughs> Joel Osteen is a head of a mega church in, in the U.S., and um, he was being interviewed, he and his wife, Victoria, was being interviewed by Brian Houston, who heads Hillsong Church, and uh, Brian asked him, he said, how do you handle criticism? And Victoria was the one, the wife of Joel Osteen was the one who answered. And Victoria said, oh, Joel thinks everybody likes him. And everybody laughed. Because obviously it's not true. If you, if you surf the internet, there are Christian leaders, Christian pastors who, you know, persecute him and who say that he's not uh, uh, from the Lord or his message is not uh, led by the Spirit, etc. No matter how good you are, no matter how many lives you're changing. I mean, this guy is ahead of a 40,000 member church and still he gets persecuted. But his attitude is just, he's, he's so positive. He thinks everybody likes him even though he gets a lot of persecution. And this is um, what happened to Stephen. So when people criticize you, when people don't like you, say, okay lang, kung si Joel Osteen nga, may kalaban ako pa. Diba? Kung si Bo Sanchez nga, ang bait-bait na, meron pa nagper-persecute ako pa. Diba? And this is what happened in Act 7. We read the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, um, the, the success and, you know, all the work that Stephen was doing. And they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. And they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. You know, uh, Stephen was giving this super powerful, super moving speech or preaching about Jesus. And if you read it in the, in the book of Acts, 52 verses, he's talking, he gave a whole salvation history. He went back to how God chose Abraham and the, the history of the Israelite people and had how God worked through the patriarchs, you know, to Moses and then down to David and how Jesus came from the line of David. And now Jesus is the Messiah, the same God that we believe in, who moved in, in all our patriarchs is now, you know, the same God who is Jesus. And this is the one that we crucified and who has now risen from the dead. It was such a moving speech that these, these listeners gave him a different kind of standing ovation. They stood up and they started stoning. They started stoning him and, and Stephen became the first Christian martyr. He was the first martyr of our church. And you would think, you know, that, oh, that happened in those barbaric times. But in 300, by 325 AD, two million Christians had already been martyred for the faith. And it, it, it you know, it, it looks like, oh, nga, grabe, grabe yung mga panahon na yun, no? But it's happening in our modern day, in this day of Wi-Fi and uh, Netflix and uh, drones. And it's happening in our world today. You know, in the past 10 years, 900,000 Christians have already been martyred for the faith. Every six minutes, one, six minutes, one Christian is murdered for his faith. And I want, I used to be able to say, good thing here in the Philippines, we don't experience persecution. But today it's not true anymore. We hear 
Catholics, we hear bishops, we hear um, followers of Jesus being persecuted on nighttime news. 2,000 years of Christianity has produced 70 million Christian martyrs. But something, something, something beautiful is coming out of all this. Even, even the persecution that we experience here in the Philippines, the, the unexpected results of persecution, it's making us Catholics. Before, it's so easy to be a Catholic in the Philippines. Pasta magsimba ka. Diba? Walang kumukontra sa'yo. Ngayon, pati daw yung mga bishop, I heard this story from a priest friend of mine, one of the bishops who's um, heavily being heavily persecuted in, uh, in, in, even in news, wears a big uh, Benedictine cross for protection because he gets death threats. What? Here in the Philippines, our priests, our bishops get death threats? Wow. Iba, no? But it's making us Catholics hold on to our faith. And it's making us, you know, stand up for our faith and say, wait, I want to I wanna be counted. I want to know what I'm going to die for. Diba? So it's easing us out of our comfort zones. And on that day, says Acts 8, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. They were so afraid that they would have the same fate as Stephen, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And as we've said, you know, look at this, look at this map. This is where the, the red is, uh, sorry, the, the black is Jerusalem. That's where all the believers were when the Holy Spirit came down. And because of the persecution, they were pushed, pushed to Judea and Samaria, neighboring regions, and then later on to the ends of the earth. If persecution didn't happen. You know, I, I, I don't think a great mind could even plan this thing. But it wasn't planning that caused, you know, the spread of Christianity to happen. It was persecution. And maybe if the Christians didn't get persecuted, they would have stayed in Jerusalem and Christianity would have remained as a cult that just died in Jerusalem. But look, all over the world, there are Christians. The bad thing turned out to be a good thing. And in the Philippines, poverty is a bad thing. But guess what? God is using poverty to export our faith. We're not just exporting human resource. The economic migration of the Philippines didn't just send our workers out to earn more. They're also bringing our faith. Look at the churches in Europe. When you go to the basilicas, those beautiful churches, they've been turned into malls. They've been turned into skate parks, into, uh, 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 what's that? Um, trampoline parks. But if you see a church that's alive, look who's attending church. Filipinos. 500 years ago, Europe sent missionaries to convert the Philippines in 2021. We're celebrating 500 years of Christianity in the Philippines. We're now exporting our faith abroad. Filipinos are keeping our churches alive. Let me tell you this. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure of one thing. You know, not all of us are called to die for our faith. But all of us, I'm sure, are called to live for our faith. Not all of us are called to die for Jesus, but all of us are called to live for Jesus. Amen? So ask the person beside you, gusto mo ba maging martyr or missionaryo?
All of us are called to be missionaries. I want to end with this story. <clears throat> the Light of Jesus family is celebrating its 40th birthday in 2020. 40 years! We're one of the oldest communities in the Philippines. Come on, that, that deserves a rousing applause. That's not a small thing. And look at our growth. In 19, we were born, uh, the, the community was born in 1980 in, a, in, a, uh, in the garage of Brother Bo's house. And can we show that, that's, uh, yeah, the slide there. In 1980, from three, 30 people attending the prayer meeting, we grew up to 2,000 people in 1987. That's phenomenal growth. That's great. That was wonderful. The thing is, look at our graph. From 1987 to 2007, it just plateaued. It remained at 2,000. And you would think that in 20 years, wow, God, God just, you know, God slept. God uh, didn't move much in community. But look what happened in 2007 when we started our first weekly feast in Valle Verde. From 2007 to 2019, from 2,000 people to 50,000 and counting in 2019. I just came from uh, Singapore last Easter. I launched my newest book there uh, called Grace Anatomy, Life Strategies for Life Strategies. I'll come back and I'll come back and launch it here one day. Um, but our, our Singapore is such a small country, but I was amazed to learn that we had six feasts there every single week. Six feasts! Woo! Grabe! And you, you would think that God was, was God absent in the 20 years that we, we were stagnating. No, we, God was building our roots deep, very deep. You know, the, the, the Burj Khalifa is one of the, is the tallest, uh, I think so far. I think they're still building the, tall, the, the one that will beat this. But this is the, uh, in Dubai and it's the tallest structure in the world, 163 meters high. And when they were building it for a year, you didn't even see anything above ground. Because when you're building a tall building, the taller the building, you need a stronger foundation. We know that, right? And so for, uh, for a year, they were just laying down the foundation of that tower, 42,000 square meters of cement. I can't imagine that, but it sounds like, it, it sounds a lot. <laughs> and that's what's needed to put up, to hold up that, tall, tall structure. And for 20 years, God was just planting the roots of our community deep because if God didn't do that, we won't be able to sustain this phenomenal growth. God wasn't calling, you know, the community members at the time, and especially our leadership. We have to honor our leaders and our founders. God wasn't calling them to be successful, but God was teaching them to be faithful because we needed this. God was establishing a culture that could sustain this phenomenal growth. People first, relationship first, humility first, because these are our virtues that break up people, that break up groups, that break up communities. And those two decades of unproductivity was the best thing that happened to us because now we can really grow and stand tall. You know what? Maybe you feel right now that nothing is happening in your life, that God has forgotten you, that 
things are stagnating in your life, don't believe that. You know, the expert potters in Japan, what separates them from the amateurs is that after they mold the clay, they don't put it in the fire right away. They take the vessel and they put it in, the, in, in a shelf and they leave it there for many, many weeks. It's a process called resting the clay because the expert potters know that after they mold the clay, there's air caught inside and they have to wait for that air to evaporate because if they don't, if they immediately put it into the fire, what happens? The air bubbles expand and it deforms the vessel. If nothing's happening in your, your life, if you think that God is not listening to your prayers, guess what? He's just resting you. He's resting you. It's a period of preparation so that when He takes you and He puts you in the fire, you will not break. You will come out to be the beautiful vessel He designed you to be. God will turn your bad situation into your best provision. You believe that? Amen. Stand up. Stand up and claim that. Lord God, we thank you for the wonderful message that you have for each of us. Lord, we are impatient people. We want our miracles and we want them right now. We don't see, Lord, the value of resting the clay. We don't see, Lord, your perfect timing. And so we yield. We yield to you, Lord, who sees everything and who knows everything. And he who uses everything in our lives. In your economy, nothing is wasted. So our prayer is, use us, Lord. Say this with me. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, visit lightfam.com and click on Feast Teachings.